we are doing it. We're surprise. We're doing it. You hit the record button. Hit the this record time. button. You did it. I did it just out of nowhere. That was amazing. I was hoping to catch you in that thing you just said, but I did. <laughs> what did I say? I don't, I don't know. Whatever it was, just making it seem like you said something that you didn't want recorded. I said, "Amen." Oh, that's embarrassing. We prayed, so let it be. Amen. So let it be. Rick, so, uh, I have a, yeah. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Uh, well, uh, well, welcome back, Sun Valley Church, to the Voice of the Valley. I pressed <laughs> record, so that means I'm your host today, Pastor Rick Wimmer. I got from across the table, actually, just to the side of me here, is Pastor Jeremy Pinch. Jeremy, say hi to our people. Hi. Hi. Okay, so that's good. This is off to a good start. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get to ask the questions today. And I, uh, my first question for you is based on something I heard from an inside source in a student ministries Sunday seminar yes. uh, in, in a public teaching context. What did I say? Well, I will tell you what you allegedly said, and I'd oh. love to get your explanation of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, first, I love you. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I do. And to which you say, I hate you. Because apparently you said, and I can't figure out for the life of me, where in First Corinthians uh, this would have come up as, oh. as part of the context of that passage you were studying, uh, that we have a love-hate relationship. Yeah. And I love you, and you hate me. So, yeah. yeah so ex- tell me about that. Well, <laughs> that was kind of my opening opening to the teaching for Sunday. Um, and I don't know how it got there, but we we got there. And oh, I know how it got there. So I I got up there to you know start my teaching, and you you ha- uh, put the Luther cutout. Oh yes, uh, up in the he in had, the he was room. my greeting committee at the Reformation party. Yeah, and so that was up there, and I was I was trying to figure out who who put that up there, and I was like, oh, that's somebody that I work with. We have a love hate relationship, <laughs> what? and. Um, why did Luther's presence at the Reformation door, which <laughs> I love, and keep it's up there? I mean, yeah. obviously, it uh, is, why would yeah. that provoke any idea of hatred? It it Luther didn't provoke the hatred. Okay, it, Luther didn't. Provoke Do you the not hatred. want him up there? No, it's great. It's great. I and I changed I the just, art on the I know wall. I saw, you that, saw that too. I saw yeah. that too. Just so you yeah. know. Um, yeah, so I, I think have... that was more of the the provoking of was it the, really? the love hate was the the changing of the art on the wall. Um no, I I was just I was because Luther was up there. I you know, we got talking about Pastor Rick Wimmer and our relationship. And um, And you lied. <laughs> uh best case scenario, you lied. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So if the students took anything away from it, our relationship is um, on shaky grounds. So uh, one of a, one side of it is, yeah, <laughs> and it <Yeah>. ain't mine. <laughs> yeah. So so, so for the so record, I'm glad Avonlea told you that. Uh, no, I didn't say that. No. She's in student ministries now, so she's she's. The well, same. I love you, Jeremy. I love and you too. I'm not man. afraid to say it. I love so, you too. Really? Okay. So, any students who are listening now, you know, Pastor mm-hmm. Jeremy lied to you on Sunday because he does not <laughs> hate me. So he's giving mixed messages in public this yes. week. But that's all right. Yeah. He's had a hard week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. 
No, yeah. the Reformation though, man, we watched um we watched as a family the Luther movie. Yeah. The one the students love. Hate. They hate that. That's now, that's now you're telling the truth. Now, now you're using truth. that word accurately. Yeah, they hate Which that is movie. weird because when I was a student ministries pastor, I think they loved it. And and now this next generation of students hates it. And I'm wondering what happened to crossed out student well, ministries. Well, here's the thing is is I love the movie too, Rick. I love I love the 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 Luther movie. Yes, but I've you know after after showing it for however many years, eight years or whatever whatever it has been, um, there's the rumors have now been you know coming out from the students themselves. Rumors. Well, just they're just saying they hate the movie. Your students aren't mine. The students I showed the movie to have all graduated and well, moved on. Well, some of them with their were, lives. Some of them were in there while you were there. Barely, barely, still in diapers. But I, I showed it after you, after you, you know, moved on from student ministries. I continued to show it to those ones who were mm-hmm. in student ministries while you were there. I don't buy it. And I think they just felt more comfortable telling me. Um, rubbish the truth so i'm in the middle of this podcast that my wife <laughs> sent to me because i asked her to send it to me uh, it's sheologians you know uh-huh. and uh, one of the two hosts is james white's daughter and so james white is it was on the podcast this week to talk about luther okay and so i started listening to it this morning and he had a really good point um he he had preached in the castle church at Wittenberg okay. um, during the 500th anniversary year of the Reformation. And he started off by saying that he's under no illusion that um, Luther, Calvin, any of the reformers um, would have banished him um, minimum or um, imprisoned him or a couple of them executed him because he is a confessional credo Baptist Okay. As are we. Yeah. And it's just a, it was an interesting point. I, you do, and the whole point was, you know, we don't want to sugarcoat things as if this is, you know, the Reformation was an intense yeah. situation and yeah. these guys were intense men. Yeah. And just like every sinner saved by grace, um, there are these conundrums yeah. and they would have not been in fellowship with us. And yet here we are, you know, we just had this big party uh, celebrating, not, not, Luther ultimately, right? But what God did through him, right? And that's what really came out um, in our discussion after the movie last night as a family. Just you know, God did amazing things mm-hmm. um, using a very fallen man, mm-hmm. um, and yet a courageous man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see the the heroes in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews eleven, and that's quite an interesting list of people. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the biographies get pretty wild. Yeah, and yet all of them looked forward to the Messiah mm-hmm. and the city that was to come, mm-hmm. um, the heavenly Zion. And anyways, it's just, it's good to think about. Yeah. That's so awesome. all that, I didn't anticipate all these fruitful directions that would come from your ill-advised comment on Sunday. So, well, Rick, I, I told you that on, on Monday I had my inner John Knox, uh, come out because I had some <laughs> people knock on my door and um, I I threw out the word heresy probably at least like seven times. How'd the elders respond? <laughs> well, 
so oh were they not they, they were not the ones that knocked on your door they weren't jehovah's oh. witnesses and they okay. weren't mormons oh okay so i was talking about our so a little, little <laughs> backdrop before we spend the next 18 minutes um not getting to our topic okay so Katie and I and the kids are about to go run some errands around around town, and and these two guys come walking up to my door, and I go, oh. "It was guys, yeah, two two men." Oh, okay. I, their, I thought it was probably women. in their fifties. Because my experience with that church has been women. Yeah, no, yeah, two 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 men in in their fifties, and uh, and as they're walking up to the door, I, I'm like telling Katie, I'm like, I don't want to have this conversation right now. We're about to leave. And so I go and, you know, open the door. Hey, guys, how's it going? Hey, good, good. Have you heard of the Church of God of the World Mission Society or whatever it's called? I was like, no, I haven't, actually. And they're like, well, have you... Everybody knows about God the Father. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, but have you heard of God the Mother? And I was like, okay, (laughs) okay. I can't just walk (laughs) away from this conversation. Um, And so we ended up having you know, this 45 minute conversation Whoa. about God, the mother. Did Katie just leave? Yeah. Did she drive away with your children and be <laughs> yeah. like, that's it. We're, we're, we're already done. back. We're done. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't, I, I tend not to use heresy or heretic often, especially to somebody's face. For good reason. For good reason. It's like the most damnable, yeah. uh, accusation you can make. Yeah. Um, but, I I was I was letting them fly. On, on <laughs> well, day, so in all fairness, uh, it it is a heresy. The Worldwide it, Church of God. Yeah. I think it came out of uh, South Korea, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it is a rank heresy. Yeah, God. Mm-hmm. Apparently, God the Mother is is currently in in South Korea right now. Is she really? Yeah, I forgot her name. Um, Man, I'm listening to the wrong news sources. You are, yeah, because apparently, apparently Jesus returned back in 1989. What in South Korea to set up God the Mother in South Korea? So she's she's currently there. Um, Did that have anything to do with what Hal Lindsey wrote or prophesied? I don't. <laughs> I think so. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I think it's different different year. <laughs> so maybe maybe we should have a podcast on 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 that that religion because they are becoming more more prevalent here in the valley. Um, I ran it. They came to my house yeah. back when I was living by YVC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's and it's pretty blunt. It's good to I actually uh, was convicted. I should have been more gracious. Yeah. In trying to win these women for Christ, um, but I was just really torqued off. I was. By I was the, by the false the false teaching. Yeah. Anyway, sometimes you need to call a spade a spade. Yep. That's what John Knox would have done. He. That's what he Calvin would have. It's what Jeremy Pinch did. That's what I was. Jeremy Pinch, my beard, my, the Anabaptist. My beard grew like twelve inches okay. during that conversation. <laughs> it's like it's like Gandalf just getting really big, and you know Bilbo's living yeah. room. Yeah, Bilbo Baggins, <laughs> don't make me a conjurer of cheeks. Heresy. <laughs> What are yes. we talking about today, man? We are talking about the omnipresence of God. God is so omnigracious with us. He is. And omnipresent. Yes, he is. The omnipresence of God. I'm glad we, we I finally think, got I there. I think that was edifying. I think the first whatever minutes were edifying. I was edified. So I'm still working on that. Um, that makes sense. <laughs> 
Rick, when, uh, what are we talking about when we talk about the omnipresence of God? Obviously, omni is like all. All. Presence is present. He's he's present everywhere. Yeah, he's present everywhere. He's present everywhere. Everywhere. Now the conundrum. Is it? There's there's a conundrum, I think. Okay, all right. There's people that have conundrums with that that aspect, because if God is immaterial, which means, you know, God is spirit. Yes. That's what scriptures talk about. If God, is imma- if God is immaterial, how can he be present everywhere physically? What do you mean physically? Well, it would, it would assume that he, he, there is some sort of physical presence with us, right? Well, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Um, simply because of what you had just said, which is what scripture says god okay. is spirit okay um you know so jesus is talking with the woman by the well in samaria and he says god is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth um they're the only um, person of the godhead who has physical being is the son of god um and and that only only since he was incarnate mm-hmm. and um conceived uh in in mary's womb okay uh so so yeah, I don't think that when we're talking, I know that when we're talking about the omnipresence of God, we're not talking about a physical presence, okay. but we are talking about a real presence. Um, so when you think back to, um, like, and this, and, and this makes sense, right? Like there was a sense in which the, in which God, who is spirit, who was not, uh, who who has no physical form, and the confessions and the creeds are very clear on this, especially mm-hmm. the confessions. Like, you know, I think about the. Uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, mm-hmm. um, and the first thing it says about who, what is God, is is that God is spirit. Mm-hmm. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal. You know, um, and so that God, in a sense, he was, th- he would come in at the cool of the day through the garden, um, in some manifestation sure. of his presence, of his immediate presence, and yet. His omnipresence means that everywhere in all of creation, the seen and the unseen um, worlds, uh, to the farthest extremities of the creation, because mm-hmm. creation, this universe is not infinite, no matter what um, secular science claims, mm-hmm. because only God is infinite. Mm-hmm. And so all creation has to be finite, which means that this universe has a bound edge to it. And Everywhere, from the edge all the way in to the to the deepest part, God is present, yeah. sustaining, upholding all things by the word of His power, as it says in Hebrews one, uh, it, Colossians one. Um, all things were created through Christ and for Christ. In Him, all things hold together. Mm-hmm. So the physical, the physical uh, universe and the unseen spiritual realm. All uh, God is present in all of it in a mm-hmm. way that sustains it, um, but that doesn't mean that He is Himself physical. Okay. So, so does that mean? So, I I, I can look at some um, you know animistic religions, and when we think about God being present everywhere, mm-hmm. that would say that well, God is in everything. Yeah. Therefore, we worship worship the trees or we worship that microphone we worship this microphone because god is is present here so so what does that what does that mean in relation to somebody who would say well yeah why don't we worship the trees then sure yeah yeah you're i think you're 
drawing in two two spiritualistic concepts. Um, one is pantheism, and one is panentheism. Uh, pantheism is that all things are God, right? right. So that microphone is God. Mm-hmm. God is God. You are God, and so am I. Um, in the pantheistic worldview, um, because all things are the divine. Mm-hmm. Panentheism um, is pantheism with an en in between the pan and the theism. Okay, which means in God in all. Yeah. Uh, and so if pantheism means the whole universe, the whole cosmos is God, panentheism means that God is in and through the whole universe, and yet God is greater than the universe and transcendent. So pantheism is a God equals everything, and mm-hmm. panentheism is God is in everything but greater than it. Um, both of them are not Christian theism, mm-hmm. which says that God, yes, he is transcendent, but we are not part of the divine. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this creator-creature distinction that is so vital to understanding who God is. And if we, and if we, if we don't hold that, then we have gone into heresy mm-hmm. in a pretty significant way. Mm-hmm. And we are entirely outside um, Christian theism mm-hmm. um, or any kind of theism, actually. Um, Muslims don't believe that. Jews don't believe that. You know, the great three monotheistic faiths do not believe that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we have to understand that God's presence everywhere with all of his being does not at all confuse the creation with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what that's what his omnipresence means. God is God is fully present everywhere at all times, um, and through all time, past, present, and future, he is fully present, upholding everything, and yet he is not everything, and nothing else is him. Yeah, he's he is the holy one, so. Which is, which is wild when you think about the incarnation and the fact that the second person of the Trinity very much was and is in his human nature finite. Yeah. Well, so, so that's, that's really leads to this next question is, is we see that, that in the incarnation that Christ manifests himself mm-hmm. in time. Yeah. Um, and he's physically present. He, he wasn't physically present in the United States when he was, <laughs> right. you know, you know, ministering in Israel. Before right. Joseph Smith. Before Joseph Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Before the second coming. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, how, how do we understand the omnipresence of God in relation to the physical manifestation of his presence through Christ? What, what does that look like? Oh, man. Yeah, and that's where we go back to the nature of the incarnation. And once again, the Chalcedonian definition, um, you know, the, and, you know, the Athanasian Creed really gets into the natures, uh, the nature of the incarnation excuse me, um, that the divine nature, um, which is unchanging and unchangeable and eternal, mm-hmm. uh, the the second person of the Trinity as an unchanging, unchangeable, eternal, as the unchanging, unchangeable, eternal God, um, took on to himself a nature that had not been united to the divine nature before. Yeah. Um, which is his human nature. That's okay. That's again, that's the incarnation, the moment of Jesus' conception. Um, the unchanging, unchangeable, eternal Son of God was united with a, a fully human nature. Mm-hmm. And yet, 
without without confusion. So that didn't create some kind of mixing or, you know, confusion of the two natures, sure. uh, but also without division. And so since that moment, the Son of God has been f- fully human with all the properties that are true of that nature. Yeah. So, you know, finiteness, um, uh, you know, a, a physical form, right? Um, right. But also, at the same time, nothing changed about his divine nature, which is united to it mm-hmm. in the one person of Christ, which means that Jesus in Israel is in Israel. Mm-hmm. And the Son of God is also holding all things together because his divine nature is infinite. Yeah. It's like mystery of mysteries. Right. Right. And we've talked about that mm-hmm. a number of times before mm-hmm. on this podcast. But, it, you know, you can't not talk about it when you're talking about something like God's omnipresence. Mm-hmm. One of the great misconceptions, and it's actually pretty dangerous if someone knows what they're saying and then still doubles down on it, mm-hmm. um, is that Philippians 2 and the emptying mm-hmm. um, that's talked about there, yep. um, that that means that, uh, that Jesus stopped being omnipresent in order to become incarnate. No, yeah. that is not true. Yeah. Because that would be a change in the divine. Yeah. Can't happen. Can't happen. Right. Right. All that is true of God eternally, unchangeably, is true of the Son of God yeah. as he comes and ministers. What's different now is the addition. Uh, the emptying was that addition of the human nature, which now is e- eternally and perfectly united in the person of Christ. Yeah. Fully human, fully God, forever, right. and now his physical nature is, you know, in his resurrection is glorified, and is the first fruits of what we will be looking forward to in our uh, redeemed right. human nature in right. eternity, in the eternal state. Yeah, it's amazing. So, so when we talk about when we talk about the 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 condescension of Christ, Philippians two, mm-hmm. um, he's so he still he still has he still has the divine attributes that we've been talking about every everything yeah, about him remains the same yep but he doesn't it, does he, he he's not tapping into those those per se while he's while he's here on earth um does that make sense yeah. or is that is that true false am i a heretic let me no you're Drop not a heretic it. let me Drop put it whoa <laughs> you all right did you take your med medication today <laughs> um <clears throat> I mean, yeah, you've had that shoulder pain. I just, yeah. I just was curious. <laughs> let, me, let me say this: He, Jesus, is fully human, and did not, uh, did not use the prerogatives of his divine nature in any way that would compromise his standing in our place. Okay. So when we see Jesus in the wilderness, he's hungry. Could he, could he make you know the stones into bread? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, right? Because he's God. Um, like we talked about last week, does he have the power to call legions of angels to deliver him mm-hmm. and judge the Jews mm-hmm. at that moment? Yes, he does. Does he do it? No. So why? He he stood in our stead and in his humanity as the Son of God for us succeeds in withstanding temptation to the full where we do not. Mm-hmm. He goes to the cross and fully submits his will to the Father in staying in agony for us unto death. Mm-hmm. And without that, we don't have redemption. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, you know, when Jesus says, no one knows that day or the hour uh, except for the Father who is in heaven, does that mean that Jesus isn't omniscient? No, the Son of God is omniscient. Of course he is. But as it as pertains to his human nature, he's he doesn't know that day or the hour. Sure. Jesus, the man. And yet we don't talk about two Jesuses as if there was Jesus the man and Jesus the God. Right. No, no, no. We have one Christ, right. the whole Christ, fully God and fully man. Right. We we want to say as as we as you know sometimes his human nature is in focus and sometimes his divine nature, and yet he's fully human and fully God, yeah. all the time. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. And and if his mother hadn't fed him as an infant, he would have starved. Yeah, and yet she needed to be held together by. <laughs> by him mm-hmm. in order to even be able to have breath to feed him. Right. right. <laughs> it's just, oh man, that's amazing. The mystery. Yeah. The mystery. Yeah. It makes, it makes your, your, your mind spin, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it does. You know, when you're, when you're talking just mainly all the time, but then when you start talking, <laughs> <laughs> mainly, mainly always, <laughs> yeah. but specifically like, <laughs> But no, like when you start when you start trying to trying to comprehend these things as as finite humans, mm-hmm, right? It it really is a mystery, yeah. And it and it is a a point in which it should draw our hearts to to worship, as we mentioned numerous times. Worship, this, this podcast. tremble, yeah, fear, because yeah. Um, I think a lot of the cults that we've been talking about, uh, I think a lot of them probably get started in good faith, mm. and utter disobedience to the word of God. Mm -hmm. Um, These are things, you know, these are like, you think about the angels in heaven. Peter says the angels long to look into these things. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about the things that pertain to salvation. Mm -hmm. You know, in that song we sing that we've talked about before the line, you know, the angels, um, angels can't sing the songs of redemption in the sense that we can, because they don't experience it. The angels who fell, the third of the angels who fell um, are, they're, demons they're condemned to eternal death we aren't we have redemption yeah even though we deserve eternal death yeah um but we we, we want to be careful to rush in or not to rush in where angels fear to tread um as it says yeah. <laughs> somewhere uh <laughs> because <laughs> because that's that's how heresy happens is when we are not bound to the word of god and that's why, even though we, yeah, we, we each of us are um, priests and kings uh, in Christ who have the scriptures mm-hmm. and should study them on our own and interpret them and understand them. That's why we need the church, and we can't, we we better not be so quick to dismiss. Um, what the saints have believed throughout church history. Right. And you run into that from right. time to time. I remember a guy a couple of years ago who really was not too keen on the elders of our church because it, things got pretty uncomfortable mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. Uh, and he said, you don't know anything. You guys just don't, you guys don't have any idea how to handle the word of God. It's me and Jesus. And that's it. Nobody can get in between me and my savior. And I was like, man, this guy doesn't know Christ. Mm. Like, I really don't think he has any idea of who Christ is. Because he would not be able to so flippantly say, 
that. Mm-hmm. Not that the elders are the means of his salvation, sure. but the church is the body of Christ. And this me and Jesus in my Bible, and that's all I need, yeah, you'll end up far from Christ. Mm-hmm. In fact, to even believe that is to, is to be far from Christ. I'm not saying there aren't believers who think that, but it is just a very dangerous shipwreck of a place to be. Sure, sure. And so I'm so grateful for the to be at this point in church history. Yeah, yeah. Instead of like having this podcast discussion back in the 200s, yeah. while the doctrine of Christ is still being very much hammered out, and heresies are everywhere. Yeah. It, the first century church was a dangerous place to be, mm-hmm. not just physically, yeah. but like the New Testament letters were written because there were heresies running around like crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we think it's bad today. No. <laughs> No, yeah, this is a sweet spot. Yeah, it, you know, thinking back to when when Arianism was um, was running rampant in the church, and just just what it would have, what it would have been like um, in the midst of all that chaos of what what actually is does the the scriptures teach? You know, because we have this guy, you know, saying this, and we have these guys saying this. Like, what what does it actually look like? That would be a confusing and hard time oh, to man. be in. Yeah, and I think uh, if I remember, if I have my facts correct, and I think this is accurate, there was a point at which Arianism had become uh-huh. the dominant theology. It was, which yeah. means that most confessing Christians were heretics. Yeah, statistically. Yeah. You know, and last night one of my kids was like, "I would, I wouldn't have. Yeah, I wouldn't have done." I wouldn't have been with the Catholic Church if I had lived then. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I didn't say this at the moment because we really needed to get through the movie and had paused it enough <laughs> um, to explain things. But I was like, yeah, of course you would. Luther was. Like, he had no clue what yeah. he was doing. I mean, he knew what he was doing, but he had no clue he was sparking Reformation. He never intended to do that. Sure. God was the one doing it. Sure. Luther, as he would later look back, goes, I just, Melanchthon and I just drank beer, and, and the Word did the work. Mm. We just, <laughs> you're just like, well, yeah. Isn't that how it works normally? <laughs> oh, Luther. Uh, it's like, yeah, we would have. Yeah. God's so kind to us. Yeah. Now, I remember hearing this for the first time, and uh, and it was John, Pastor John, who who posed this question because I was I was wrestling through this omnipresence thing with God, and and he, he said, "Well, is God present everywhere?" I said, "Well, yeah," and he said, "Is God present in hell?" And I was like, "Well, no, he can't be present in hell," you know, like like naturally, my mind was like, you know, a holy God cannot be present in hell. And I think a lot of people struggle with that idea is, yeah. is, is God present in, in hell. So Rick, explain, explain to us what, what that means um, and why it's, why it's actually necessary that, that God's presence is. Yeah. Cause hell. that's true. God, God is present in hell. Yeah. And a lot of times you hear people say, well, hell is to be out of God's presence. And it's like, well, in what sense? Um, because heaven. Okay. So well, let's just ask the even more basic question. Is heaven, like where are angels and heaven, are they God? Are angels and heaven God? No. No. No, they're not. Is hell, <laughs> is hell God? No. No. So, okay. So by definition, if only God is eternal and God, <laughs> then everything else, including heaven, hell, and angels, are created. And if all things are created through him and for him and Mm -hmm. in him, the Son of God, all things hold together. 
then hell holds together in Christ, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what a wild thing to say. I mean, it just even sounds weird saying it. But my point is simply that because hell is not God, it cannot be. Like, God has to be present there because hell exists, mm-hmm. and nothing exists except by God's upholding it mm-hmm. and holding it together. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I talk about my kids with my kids about this when we do science because uh, we're studying um, chemistry and we're studying atoms right now and and the building blocks of the universe and I'm like guys at the atomic level at the subatomic level of protons neutrons electrons and quarks um, Jesus has to be holding it together mm-hmm. because if he didn't it would it would explode and cease to exist mm-hmm. Hell, though, is the absence of God's presence to bless. It is very much his presence to curse Mm -hmm. in the most extreme. And that's what we're talking about. Um, It's it's God's presence in wrath. The presence of Christ in heaven is his presence to bless. Mm -hmm. And he is is present with his people here on earth to bless, not to curse. Mm -hmm. Because the curse was born by the Son of God. Mm-hmm. You see? And so, you know, when, when we see the presence of God manifest in the glory cloud at the tabernacle, mm-hmm. filling the temple when Solomon builds it, is that to say that God's not outside the walls of the temple or not in Jerusalem or down, you know, down the river in Egypt or <laughs> like yeah, wherever? Sure, sure. Of course he is, right? But it's it's his manifest presence to bless. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about. There's, um, in what sense is God present? So it's hell. Hell is not the absence of God's presence. It is the. It's very much the presence of God to curse. Yeah. So so, um, this is this may be going on a, on a tangent here. So, when Christ bore our sins on Calvary, was that a manifest presence of God's wrath in the sense of what people will experience in hell for eternity? If that makes sense. Yeah, Jesus bore the curse for us. Right. Right. My God, my God, he cries out, why have you forsaken me? Right. Hell is a God-forsaken place. Yeah. It is not a God-absent place. And, it, you know, and so when we see Jesus bearing uh, the wrath of God for us, he bore He bore the punishment we deserve. We would, if, if not for Christ, uh, for the elect. Like, if we are not elect, yeah. then we will bear the punishment for our sins in hell right right um so i guess i guess more of a uh question there was um uh did did christ experience the absence of the presence of the father on the cross to bless yeah right yeah but here we go we have the eternal son of god 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 is simple like this brings us full circle back to where we began eight weeks ago i think we're on week seven or eight or seven The simplicity of God, God cannot be divided. The, the persons of God are not such that you can divide out the Son of God at the cross, mm-hmm. right? But the God-man, Christ Jesus, bore the full wrath of the Father for us, and yet God is not divided. Right. Right. Again, angels fear to tread. I mean, this is just deep, deep stuff, and I, I don't really know how to go, where to go beyond that, because, and I'm not sure I want to. Um, but we have the Son of God bearing the curse for us as man in our place. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and yet, God, God's 
God's essence does not change. Mm-hmm. He's still the indivisible Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. And so that's where the, you know, the Apostles' Creed um, gets gets into that, that line that sometimes... Um, Baptist dispute, or some Protestants don't use it, that he descended into hell. And, okay, well, what does that mean? And that's a fine discussion. We can talk about that some other time. But but the point is that he, we're, we're, not, we're not going to hell because Jesus bore hell for us. Yeah. But not, but not the absence of God's presence. I mean, he is God. <laughs> right. Right. So, right. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think in an unintentional way, when we, when we think about the cross, we think that, you know, God the Father left the Son uh, in, the, in the sense of, of you know, his, his, God the Father actually, actually, there was a, se- we, it's there was a separation It's almost like we there. think about it in terms of physically. He right. physically walked away. Right. And you're just yeah. like, well, God's not physical, and what does that even mean? Right. So why is he walking? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we can unintentionally, unintentionally think that way. Yeah. Um, but it's being reminded that that what Christ experienced on the cross is is not an absence of the Father. It was actually a full presence of the Father in wrath. In wrath. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so pro- it's profound. Yeah. Um, you know, I was read read a couple different theologians um, on the on the omnipresence of God, and um, MacArthur and Mayhew wrote that God is perfectly present with Himself, transcending all limitation of space and yet present with every point of space, with all that Hmm. he is. Transcendence means that God is greater than and independent of the creation. Hmm. And that's where it's different than panentheism. Um, Well, and pantheism. But immensity refers to the fact that God transcends and fills all space. And omnipresence indicates that God is present with every point of space in his entire being. The cross is a very, uh, very... Uh, real part of space, mm-hmm. right? Right. So, right. so we have to be we have to understand what kind of language Scripture is using and why. And I, th- I think we've gotten at that, yeah. you know, and dispelled some myths along the way. Yeah. But we have to understand that God is above and transcendent uh, above all things, and yet all things He is present everywhere mm-hmm. in the fullness of His being. Yeah. And spiritually speaking, um, there's. He's with his people to bless. Heaven is the supreme place of his blessing, his blessed presence. Uh, hell is his presence to judge in the most severe way, um, eternally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like David says in Psalm 139, I mean, that's pretty much a great place to kind of wrap up our, our, our conclusion of, yeah. of things. And I'm, let me just get there real quick. Um, because David's words are so beautiful and help us understand as he's musing on God's um, uh, orientation toward him. He says, um, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. Well, there you go. I just read that from the New King James. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. Behold, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. Um, the darkness shall... This is a great comfort if, you know, if your kids struggle ever with being afraid of the dark. Um, if I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be a light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you. 
but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Great reminders. It is. Great reminders. Well, church, uh, we are still open for, for questions to send our way. Uh, we've gotten a few more, um, over the last few weeks and, uh, we're excited to, to answer those in, in the coming weeks. Are we doing any more perfections? I think so. I'll have to look at the schedule. I think we have a few more, one or two more maybe Okay. in the weeks to come. And then uh, we'll jump into some of the questions that, that people have been sending our way. And hopefully we'll be able to... Just really clarify everything. I mean, that's just my goal. That's just what we're here for. I just... I don't want to shoot too high. So I think that's reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Church, we love you. We look forward to being with you on Sunday and next week on The Voice of the Valley. Have a great day.